You're listening to the Mind Manual Podcast, Episode 22, How to Feel So You Can Stop Avoiding Your Life. It's time to break through the touchy-feely, sissy stigma when it comes to talking about our feelings. The culture of our society has taken the emotional content of our lives off the table for discussion and reserved it for the domain of therapy with a psychologist or a psychiatrist. And then it's really only something you address when we're on our knees and we've become paralyzed with anxiety or depression. If you want to take a look into where this way of thinking about it has led us as a collective and what the truth of that really looks like, then buckle up as we go and break through the social norms and stereotypes that have held us back as a civilization. Because someone decided it was too sissy to explore emotions that ultimately have you hiding in fear and pain and withdrawing from life. When we deny, avoid and distract ourselves from the negative or afflictive emotions that we're not wanting to feel, usually in the form of an activity such as overeating, overdrinking, shopping, gambling, scrolling, Netflixing, smoking, overworking, you name it, just about anything that can numb the pain or distract us enough to get some temporary relief, which is only fleeting. And when it passes, we're left with the back-end consequences of the activity that we use to buffer ourselves from our emotions. This could take the form of weight gain, loss of health, going into debt, withdrawing from family and loved ones, and ultimately life on many levels. We unwittingly create more pain and suffering when we don't address them, and we keep trying to block them by buffering ourselves from them with the activities that will give us a brief dopamine or adrenaline high as we attempt to move away from the pain towards pleasure and we get locked in this downward spiral all because we're unwilling and unable through lack of knowledge and training to address our emotions and process them through to completion this is the primal brain's instinctual reaction to keep us safe and alive if it keeps you moving away from pain in the direction of feeling good then it thinks this will equate to keeping you out of harm's way. So let's explore what's really going beneath the surface of all this activity. I think the first thought error we have around all of this is that we expect our lives to be free from painful emotions. But that's never really going to happen here on Earth. The rules of this game have come pre-installed with the equal and opposite of all things. The law of relativity abounds in all areas of life. Have a think about it. We have hot and cold, good and evil, night and day, fat and thin, on and off, rough and smooth, heavy and light, and the list goes on. It's the context we need in order to know one thing from the other. And the same applies to our emotions. We have the equal and opposites showing up in all forms of emotions that we have. Love and hate, sad and happy, courageous and cowardice, excited and bored, hope and despair, we will always be able to find the equal and opposite condition for all of it. This is the very nature of life. And when we lose sight of that, 
we get stuck in resistance to what is the real truth of this human experience. So when we jump into railing against what is, we create a whole other layer of suffering. When we resist and try and suppress or push something away by avoiding it or distracting ourselves. This might show up in the form of anger, frustration, despair, emotional withdrawal, eating that tub of ice cream, drinking the bottle of wine, numbing out on Netflix binge, or simply checking out on a drug-induced high, and the list goes on. This is so we don't have to face the fullness of that emotion. We perceive it as too much to bear, and we're not prepared to experience any discomfort. So we go about pursuing pleasure in its place, except that it never really lasts for long. Because we don't face it squarely, we have to keep running from it and hiding in all the activity. This is the norm and how society thinks it should be. We think it's far more comfortable to deal with the hangover the next day than it is to process the emotion of fear or shame or disappointment. So we go and label it as sissy or touchy-feely if we want to have a discussion about it or have anything to do with dealing with our emotions. It's far more acceptable to just push it down with another beer than it is to learn how to process it through to completion. This has been the conditioning of our society. We know such a thing as emotional intelligence exists, but where's all the education around it? It's easy to see how society doesn't really value it because there is no curriculum. It doesn't exist. Instead, we pump billions into the treatment after the fact, after we've lost our way and can't see a way through. The mental health system is on its knees alongside of us. The governments are broke and we are left broken. Talk about a broken model. Sorry. Got a bit sidetracked there. Back to the first step in dispelling the belief that we should only experience positive emotions. Just think about it. If everyone was always happy all of the time about everything, how would we know we were happy? Living in the realm of an absolute without any contrast would actually deny us of the experience of something, of what it's like to be happy. If there was no sad to compare it with, what would a happy even look like? How would you describe it? What name or label would you even call it? This realm of relativity is what makes it possible to truly experience something. It's the 50-50 of life. An understanding of the nature of what it means to be human in this world will help tremendously in not automatically thinking that it's all gone so terribly wrong. If we approach the 50-50 nature of life from a mindset of allowance and acceptance for this human condition, instead of being in resistance and rejection to it, we automatically remove a layer of suffering. The second thing we can do with our afflictive emotions, if we want to find a way through it instead of just getting stuck in it, is to look for the opportunity to transform it or even transcend it. It's shown up for a reason. There is a causal relationship with it. And it wouldn't exist if we didn't have a mind or body to perceive or experience it. So if I look for the lesson in it, I can use it as an opportunity to grow and evolve. Nothing ever goes away until it has taught us what we need to know. 
What we resist persists. This is how we stay stuck in it. Using force to keep it at bay will ensure it stays there within us. That's why it keeps rearing its ugly head when we've finished with the packet of Oreos or we've come down from a shopping high. We haven't yet transformed or transcended it or processed it through to completion. So if I'm angry at my husband because he's not doing what I think he should be doing or my child is not living the life I think they should be living or you insert anything that anyone is doing or not doing, I could question myself and ask, why does that disturb me? What is the lesson I need to learn if I want to arrive at a place of peace with what is and maintain a mindset of allowance and acceptance, just as it is? If I don't like feeling this way, what is out of alignment with me? What am I thinking that has created this feeling? And is what I'm thinking even really true? Because most of our thoughts go unexamined and unquestioned, and most of them we just go and make up. So they're not even true. It's only because we think them that we go and blindly believe them. Somewhere along the line, I think we've somehow projected our thoughts as an extension of ourselves. And to question the validity of our thoughts would mean to question the validity of ourselves, which I think is too painful for most people. We've somehow equated our thoughts with ourselves. We fall into the trap of believing our thoughts are real, just as we are, and we don't even see them as optional sentences in our mind. Thoughts are powerful, whether they're true or not, because it's our thoughts that create our feelings. And the physical component of an emotion that we feel in the body it makes it all the more real. And what's real for us generally makes it true, in our mind anyway. So our thoughts combined with our feelings is making up our whole internal experience of something. And when we're immersed in an experience, how do we break free from it if it's not where we want to be? So if you don't like the way you feel, we need to identify the thought that created that emotion we need to test and disprove it and shatter the illusion that you've just created for yourself. Because I can guarantee it's equal and opposite also exists out there in the realm of possibilities. There will be a whole other way of thinking about something that actually creates the way you want to feel. We need to find that other perspective that is aligned with the peace and happiness that you wish to experience for exactly the same circumstance. This is not to say that we should automatically jump into a different model or view of the world in the moment we've been activated in that experience of something. It may be appropriate to be feeling sadness and grief if someone you love has just died. So first check in to see if that's the way you want to be feeling in this moment. Is it appropriate for you to be feeling happy when you've lost your loved one? Nor do you want to deny the emotion that has just been activated. It needs to be processed before you can go and explore an alternative perspective. We need to release the energy of that emotion first before we can even consider opening up to another possibility. When you study the physiology 
of an emotion and how it cascades throughout our body and how a fearful, intense negative emotion will go and hijack our higher thinking brain, we can't engage in any rational, logical analysis until we deactivate it and that energy dissipates. So in order to fully process that emotion, we need to get out of our head and into our body by focusing on how this emotional energy has presented in your body. And that will help quiet the mind and all the thoughts and stories that are perpetuating this emotional response. One of the ways to do this is by becoming a quiet observer of yourself. Notice where you physically feel the presence of this energy and describe how it feels. It may be a racing heart, sweaty palms, a tightness in the chest or restless legs, however it shows up for you. Try and be as specific as you can, as if you're describing it to someone who has never experienced what that emotion feels like. What are the different dimensions of it? Does it have any heat to it? Is it heavy or buzzing? We want the full description of the whole physical sensation. Don't resist it in any way. Just allow it to be there and just become the quiet and curious observer of it. Label it. And tell yourself, so this is what shame feels like, or this is what anger feels like, or disappointment, or any emotion. You want to get to really know what it physically feels like in your body without the mental torment. And what you'll find is that the stillness of your mind, as you place yourself in the observer role, resting in the allowance of it to be there, will start to reduce in intensity until it dissipates and it completely leaves you. This is how you process it through to completion. The realisation that the physical component of the emotion doesn't ever really amount to much is really quite staggering. And yet, look at the lengths we go to in avoiding and distracting ourselves from it. The fear we have around experiencing a negative emotion is what holds us back. We could spend a lifetime overeating, overdrinking, overdoing anything just so that we don't have to feel a certain way. We're completely unaware and unconscious of what is really going on with the emotion itself and the avoidance tactics we employ. So once we've been able to process the effect of the emotion in this way, then we can start to get to work on identifying the cause, which is going to be the thoughts and stories you have about it in your mind and what you've made it all mean. This is where we need to consider all the possibilities and look for the truth and seek to understand, which also means to explore all the ways how those thoughts could be untrue. We need to see where ignorance has blinded us. Try and shatter all of your beliefs around it and start looking at it from the other person's perspective with all the limitations they might be filtering life through and understanding what their conditioned environment has been that has them showing up in a particular way. What is responsible for what they might be ignorant to? and why they might see things the way they do. This will take you to a whole new level of understanding, which then helps us to have compassion for where they might be at. 
So if you're feeling frustrated with someone or hurt by them, try this exercise and it will help you in not taking it so personally. You will see through to their model of the world and realize that what they may do or say is also being fueled by an emotion that they have created in their mind with their thoughts and their thoughts will have come from a learned conditioned perspective of the world based on the environment they live in, all of which has nothing to do with you. I first experienced how innocent we are to this fact of life when I had my first newborn. I was in an open ward with all the other mothers surrounded by all these beautiful babies, completely new and lovable just as they were, each one just as precious as the other. And then the families arrive. I felt like going around to scoop them all up to save them from the fate of their conditioned lives. They are going to be a byproduct of their environment and so are we except most of us are blind to this. We are blind to the way that shapes our thoughts and beliefs and values, which has nothing to do with the other person who might be at the receiving end of what that looks like in their interactions with them. It's merely a reflection of what has been and what will be if there is no other additional input or desire for it to be any different than where it's at now. And because the next person in their circle of influence, maybe just as unaware, they'll go and take their actions and behavior to mean something about them, which sets up the whole cycle in motion again. And the flow and effect keeps us trapped in this sphere of pain and suffering that accompanies ignorance or a lack of awareness. And we keep on thinking it's all just happening to us, that it's coming from out there, and not in here with us. So while ever we're caught up in this model, we remain a victim to all that is happening out there. We remain lost and out of control in the way that we feel, which will ultimately have us withdrawing from life because it can't be trusted and it has all of the control over the way we feel. The main tool I wanted to teach you from this episode was how to feel and process an emotion through to completion. And in the next episode, I want to go a bit deeper into the origin of our suffering, which will ultimately reveal where your true power lies. I hope this has been helpful. And if you'd like to dive deeper into this work and would like to get coached by me in putting all of this work into practice, meet me over at themindmanual.com where you can sign up for a six-month coaching program to learn how to transform trials into triumphs. It's one thing to understand something intellectually, but it's not until we learn how to integrate it into our life that it has any power. Thanks for listening and have a beautiful day.